Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with a, a legendary producer based out of Seattle. He's been around for a long time. He's worked with all your favorite artists from J. Cole, Snoop Dogg, uh, Tupac from Beyond the Grave. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he recently just put out a new project with a previous guest, Travis Thompson, and he also is in a, a duo called Tuxedo. It's my pleasure to have on Jake One. What's up? Thanks uh, for having yeah, me. Yeah, of course. Let's actually start with the, the Tupac post Tupac po- posthumous uh, album. Is that how you say it? It was. It was. Uh, the Tupac. I did a song uh, called, whew, this is a long time ago, uh, Amelaru was on it. Mm-hmm. It's, it was actually a dope song too. Uh, Resist the temptation. Damn, mm. it took me a minute. I think you did two, right? I did. I did another one that was like, on. It was a remix or something. I don't know. They're all mm. remixes of something, but essentially that happened because this is when I was like really working closely with G Unit in those mm. days. And because Eminem, he produced the. Was there was there two After Death albums or only one? Because I know he produced one. This of them. was like way. This was I think it was on Pox Life or the one after that. Okay. And Shaw Money from G Unit was kind of helping with that album, so yeah, they put me in a studio in New York and just gave me a bunch of acapellas and wanted me to make Damn. new beats to them. And and the uh, Resisted Temptation was probably the best one. I remember thinking like this actually works, you know. Some of them were like, eh, and even like you know, this is like G Unit time, so they were probably wanting to go for that. I mm-hmm. I grew up listening to Tupac, so we I wasn't gonna yeah. I didn't want it to sound like a 50 song. That wasn't yeah. the goal. So I think I actually maintain the integrity of the record, which so, I try to do that, you know, if, when I'm given those opportunities. Was that one of the first albums that was like an after death type album or? I've, I want to say, well, he died. Machiavelli technically was after death, but mm-hmm. yeah, then there was other albums that came out after that. It was, it was, it was, a, it was definitely not in the first two. Got it. Um, but yeah, it was probably the last one of all original material, I think. Mm-hmm. And how did that, at the time, was that, did that feel weird at all? Because I know there's still like debate now, especially with like Mac Miller or right, XXX right, and right. Tassion where they're fucking like ringtone mm-hmm. songs at this point. Uh, I don't think we had the internet conversation in the same way to tell you what was right and wrong. Got um, it. I just, I mean, you would hear certain things, you'd be like... Yeah, I don't know if uh, Yayo should be rapping on this song with uh, Tupac. Yeah. Like, that seemed yeah. weird. Because yeah. I feel like one of my did was like that. Or maybe Spider Loke was on one. <laughs> um, that was, it just, some some of the stuff is too much for the moment. Yeah. And, you know, his music wasn't really for that. And this particular one I did, Resist the Temptation, was like probably before he even got signed or his first album. Mm-hmm. More conscious Tupac, uh, less, you know. Hit him up. Hit him up, Tupac. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely weird. Um, I mean, I, I've talked about this with other like friends of mine or mm-hmm. even like my family. I'm like, when I die, just let it fly. I don't care. Like wow. personally, I don't care. I want them to get as much money as they can. Yeah. Take care of themselves. Um, and I think it's hard to like have that opinion unless you're the family, you know what right. I mean? Like, yeah, there's certain posthumous things you're like, okay, this makes no damn sense. But at the same time, listen to the originals music. You can, yeah. you totally could just do that. It's cool. Cause I've heard, I don't want to say any names, but there's like even some like legendary people from Seattle who've passed away that I've heard like their families have like mismanaged it. So I guess that's like, something- I, I think there's, it's always going to be the feeling from the diehard fans of yeah. anybody's stuff. I mean, Mac Miller was a homie of mine. I got songs with him that we mm-hmm. made that never came out. I'm not like in a rush, like, Damn. Gotta let everybody know me and Mac Miller did songs. I'm like, 
just feel sad that he's gone. You know yeah. what I mean? And I mean, shit, Nip. I mean, I have, I've done a bunch of songs with Nip that never came out. And it feels kind of nasty. I don't know. It just feels dirty mm. to look at it for my benefit. You know what I mean? Right. Even, even all right, for instance, with Victory Lap, once he died and it blew up, kind of bothered me. Like, mm. I didn't really like that. Yeah, that was a weird. That was I a, mean, I know when it was out and he was alive, he was feeling the love from it. I went to the show here. It was great. He was he was super excited how it was going. Hmm. But when he died, it just kind of turned into something else. Yeah. And it just it just I don't know. It's a little gross. And then, you know, we do have unreleased music. It's not on me to decide hmm. what's going to happen with it though. So, as a producer that's been producing as long as you have, like do you just have everything on like multiple hard drives or how does that I have, even i have many many hard drives i mean yeah. i don't a lot of times i won't have like the vocals that people did if i wasn't there i don't have them um mm-hmm. i have all the beats for sure but like um nip nip would send me like just a text with a mp3 sometimes you know or mike and keys would do that so mm-hmm. um i got them that way or mac miller i think sent me a couple of joints like that yeah and so how is it has it since like you've worked with people so like out of state for mm-hmm. so long, has it always been a mixture of like working in person and like virtually? Or I'd say been? it's been like eighty percent not being there. Wow, uh, for me, and that was you know just the time I came along in music was when Pro Tools really got popularized and recording yeah recording on the computer, mm-hmm. even being able to put your beats on CD so I could just send it out. They could do their song. I wouldn't have to be there. I don't have to like go through the 15 other songs they do that they don't like mm-hmm. or that pressure of being like, ah, uh, I mean, I've been in the studio with like some people's heroes or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's, it's, it can be awkward if you don't have that personal rapport with them. So you're just like, you know, you might get next, next, next. All right. That one, then they might yeah. do something to it and it's not even good, you know? And then like, do you have the power in the room to be like, nah, let's not do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So, me personally, I'm not that dude. I'm not going to go in there and sell the dream. I might even make you feel the song is worse than it is because I'm not excited about it like you right. wanted me to be, you know. So it's been a blessing for me to not have to go to the studio. I personally don't want to go to the studio mm. with strangers at all at this <laughs> point. I'm, I think I'm just all the way out on that. Are you, are you done like, uh, are you fanboyed out at this point for the artist? Or uh, The people I'm fans of to that degree are all people that, made music before I was making music. Got it. Anybody that came along in my era, they're more of a peer. Even if I really like what they do, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to group you up in that way because I've been around everybody. Or yeah. got money. to me, I got money from them, which is even more, <laughs> that's more important. Yeah. That's the ultimate respect. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the people I'm like that level of fan, it's really not people I've worked with a lot of times mm. because it's just stuff that happened before me. Well, I mean, I've been making beats since like the late 90s, yeah. you know, 95. Yeah. So, yeah, that, all that stuff seems so unattainable at that point, you know. Would you say like people you have fanned out over are less hip-hop artists and more into other genres or cuz I know nah, it's mostly devil. it's okay. mostly mostly hip-hop. I mean, yeah, definitely like in in funk soul world, I mean, that I like got to do a show with Zap with Tuxedo yeah. and the, did a song with them and they're fa- they like what we do and yeah you know I have a personal relationship with the Troutmans so that's mind blowing because as a child that's yeah. what we were listening to so like um, some of those things are just deeper than just like my work with them you know it's like it just means something totally different to me for sure and that's wild like you're definitely someone who's like an icon who's blown out up out of Seattle were there other people that 
you kind of looked up to that had blown up out of Seattle? Um, man, I, I, I won't lie. There just wasn't a lot when yeah. I was coming up. We had mixed a lot. That was huge for the city, I think. It was also, I think people don't really understand is when Mix-A-Lot came out with like Square Dance Rap and Posse on Broadway and stuff like that. It was on the radio first on K-Fox. So it was more, it was a local thing before it became national. Mm -hmm. And he talked, he was the first guy that you're like, oh, he's rapping about 23rd. I live off 23rd. Like Mm -hmm. that was nuts, you know, and you might see him. We would see him. I'd see him every once in a while driving by or something. And, uh, but like producer wise, it just, there wasn't a template to do that. Funk Daddy, I remember Funk Daddy doing Sideways for E-40, which was, I want to say, 94 mm. on uh, E-40 in a major way. That's a classic song. I, I remember being really blown away by that. Like, damn, it's like somebody from here yeah. did a song on 40 that's like my favorite song on the album. That's incredible, you know? And mm-hmm. just, like, I'm sure it must have felt crazy for him to just go around the city and hear it blasting out of cars. I bet. Because that's what that summer was. Yeah, and I I've had a um, Supreme LaRock on. It yeah. seems like you guys have definitely different in in parts, but I've have a similar story of like Seattle people who have moved to New York and right. Done Everybody left. Too. I mean, anybody even made a mark after me left. Right, mm-hmm. the business. I was really close with those guys. I knew them when they started. Mm-hmm. They moved to Atlanta, L.A., and they did a lot of amazing shit. And people don't even know they're from here, right? I had no idea until you yeah, said that. they're from here. <laughs> B- both of them are from here. So wow. shout out to Dow and, and Hen. Um, and it just that's just kind of what it's been. Um, for whatever reason, I just didn't. I almost moved to New York in like 2001, mm-hmm. and I just got scared. I don't know. I was just too conservative. I just didn't want to struggle in that way. I wanted like a definite. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really that at that time. So um, I do think, yeah, I mean, I definitely was was definitely a pioneer in that way of going about getting your music out of Seattle because yeah. it just wasn't a thing at that point, at least for producers. Right. So have you, you've stayed in Seattle for the mm-hmm. most part then? Yeah. What? Yeah, the whole time. I lived in Oakland for like one year when I quit my job in 2005. Wow. Moved to Oakland because I was like, let me just live somewhere else. I'll drive to L.A. Um, I didn't really want to live in LA. For, I don't know why I just didn't. Um, mm. and, uh, I was there for like a year did, uh, that was when I was really doing G unit stuff a lot. got like a big publishing deal. And then I was like, damn, but I want to buy a house, but I don't want to buy a house in the Bay area. Cause I'm not, I don't feel like I'm gonna live here forever. So mm. I just came right back. It was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I was only gone for like a year. Um, you've got some inspiration up there probably. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Just got to see some different stuff. Um, and then, you know, but I also came back and I've always, I'm just always going places too. It's not like it wasn't until COVID happened. I was like, damn, I'm actually here for the whole winter. This mm-hmm. is weird. So I'm usually, you know, I'm usually gone for a week or two here and there. Yeah. What is that like then? Cause I feel like a lot of people are seeing, uh, bigger producers or artists leave Seattle. I right. think they're, cause there are, there is times where like, Art, artists leave Seattle and just move to LA, but like, right. like the staples like you or Macklemore, like they live in Seattle. So do you think there's like something that draws you back? I mean, I like... think if you got that shit, they gotta they gotta see you either way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I moved to LA, like I do think if I moved to LA or New York in the early 2000s, I would have probably done twice as much, which is mm. kind of crazy to think because I did a lot, yeah. but <laughs> I just would have had more access to certain things, and I would have been on the ground floor of some things that I didn't manage to pull off from mm-hmm. here. But in the end, you know, I, I have my, I had a thing that everybody couldn't do. So they had to fuck with me. 
Yeah. And that to this day, that's what it is. You know, that's mm. the thing that I managed to do, which I, I don't even necessarily, I was going for that. It just shook out that way. What do you think that, that is that it makes you stand out? Um, I think beats I make aren't really, it's not, you, you wouldn't know if I made the beat in 2005 or 2023 mm. a lot of times. It all could be from the same time, but it all sounds good. Mm. Um, whereas like a lot of people are doing like the sound of the moment. And, you know, I've dabbled in some of that, but, like, that's not what I'm really good at. So, like, when Drake wants, like, a hip-hop record, he's there's only, like, six, seven people he can call for that. Right. That have made ones that he liked, mm-hmm. right, that are still doing it. So, and it's the same with Cole or whoever it is. Um, you know, there's just not that many guys that have made this kind of style and made it popular. Right. You know. And do you, do you follow. In modern times. Do you follow trends though at least? At least see, pay I mean, attention. I'm time? always changing what I'm doing. Like, I mean, I, I, I got my little trap beats. I mean, they, yeah. they let me, uh, they let me do the drums on a, on a trap beat recently. That was pretty, it's pretty funny. Hell yeah. <laughs> have you paid attention to like, the like reemergence of pop punk at all though? Like, have you- I don't pay attention, <laughs> man. I'm not going to lie. I don't pay attention to pop music or anything rock. It just, it's never been my thing. Got it. So like, it could be the biggest thing in the world. I've never heard the song <laughs> unless it's just playing, you know, yeah. out and about. Um, I've really been funk, hip hop, R and B since the beginning. I mean, that's just what I've been into. So, got it. Um, and I know a lot about those things, but yeah, I, pro- I mean, I couldn't tell you what the third song on side B of Nirvana's album was. I mean, wow. I'm sure I heard it. I just didn't know it, you know? Damn. So you never really been drawn to like, nah, I wasn't as a Seattle that person. Shit. Wow. Nah. And I have family that was, you know, close to a lot of that. Um, I have an uncle that was in bands during that era and knows all those guys and my aunts in that scene. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't my thing. I was more like, nah, why aren't, why isn't ghetto children getting a shot? <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's weird, you know. There's definitely was that hurdle, like, oh, but you know, you guys do the rock music in Seattle. It's like, well, not everybody does the rock music in Seattle, mm-hmm. you know. And like, you found your tribe pretty on, like, pretty soon. It seemed like in Seattle, mm-hmm. like how the meeting, like Supreme and all those guys. So like, how like how old were you again when you? I met Supreme when I was sixteen or seventeen. My yeah, you best, found yeah. your tribe. <laughs> That's yeah. Wild. So like, but you know, I. I grew up on my street. Uh, one of the members of um, Vitamins Crew Tribal lived there. You know, me and him were close. We were friends. We were like doing little pause tape stuff before he even got with Vitamin. I went to Garfield my freshman year, mm-hmm. so I saw Vitamin. I was. We were all you know blocks apart. Yeah. Um, and Supreme was just older than us and had already had experience. I mean, mm-hmm. with the record collecting. I mean, he was just a god with that stuff, man. Like I. One of my best friends I used to break dance with worked at this store. Yeah, you were break dance. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I, man, I used to build a windmill and all that. Oh, and you're like, <laughs> I had I had windmills. Don't don't sleep. Um, Amazing. I mean, that was that was all I cared about at one point, right? Yeah. Tagging and being able to do a windmill. That was about it. You know, <laughs> that was like that was a good two years of my life as a kid. And you tag what? I have so many I used friends to tag do that too. Still everywhere. Wow. Um, and I had, you know, really hippie parents that embrace this shit. Like my dad was like, yeah, right. Spray paint in your room. It's cool. It was still there until my dad passed <laughs> in 2015. It was still in this, in the room. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I mean, but can you tell people your, your tag or is that uh, secret? No, nah, I mean, I haven't tagged in years. I mean, this is like the eighties. Yeah. Like you I had a bunch though? of tags. I had a tag. One of my tags was nice N I C E. 
uh, what was my other tag? I mean, I was tagging like Tron and like 84 when I was like eight years old, you know, cause that was the hot movie, yeah. Tron. Um, <laughs> my first, uh, rap name that I used to tag a lot was Young D cause that was, you know, my last name's Dutton. Mm-hmm. I used to tag JD before JD, the producer happened yeah. and it was J-A-Y-D-E-E. Um, I probably stopped tagging when I was in high school. I don't know. I just... I didn't like the feeling of like, ooh, should I get in trouble? It wasn't yeah. that serious to me. I wasn't like, there was dudes that came along that were bombing from like Seattle to Vancouver and yeah. shit like that. You know, I, I was never that dude. I do really like right now when I go around Seattle and I see all these like pieces like that I can, like, I like the more old school bubble letter style. Mm-hmm. And I, it's really dope to me. It kind of looks like the cities in Europe with that kind of graffiti. Hell yeah. My, uh, my friend Carter, he's, I, I guess you could, see, yeah, I think he, wants people to know that he's super into that. And like, if we're walking down the street, he'll be like, oh, I know that guy or that guy. Or like, see, I'm so old. I have no, I mean, I could not tell you who any of them are at this yeah. point, but like, you know, this is the other thing. Like the, that was like, you know, there were certain dudes that were tagging in the eighties that were everywhere. There's this guy named ski S K E mm. maybe S K E E anyways, kind of not really a dope looking tag, but that <laughs> tag was everywhere. I want to know how people do it on the fucking like train, like, Hanging from the train track, right? Or they got these new things where they like the uh, they're like doing it with paint cans and shit. I don't know. It's it, they've then, taken it to some other some yeah. other tiers. At at Carter's house, uh, Macklemore, I think it's his welcome sign. Macklemore like sprayed his welcome sign, which is pretty funny. That's there pretty. It is. That's that's so you you were at the you played in the All Star game. I played in the uh, the Champions of Change basketball game that they had, uh, which was, I guess, three weeks ago at Key That's Arena, crazy. Climate Pledge. Yeah, Climate Pledge. Yeah, yeah, that was a trip. Things I, are changing. I only got to play like five minutes. Gary Gary Payton had me on the bench buried. Uh, but um, yeah, it was it was, it was was an amazing experience. That's cool. Yeah, because you posted a picture on the, right. on the Jumbotron. Yeah. That's wild. So like after after a time, like does like the Seattle – music committee find the biggest people in Seattle or how to, like Man, how do you- <laughs> that one that happened purely cause Mike Bennett is my boy and he Got just it. asked me to play in it. Like that's just really nothing deeper uh-huh. than that. Like I'm sure half the people had no idea who I was. Some of them did, you mm-hmm. know, but like, yeah, that was, it was just cool to me cause I grew up going to Kenton games at the Coliseum and stuff. So like, yeah. That just got to be on that floor was a trip. And do you still do you still play basketball like just for yeah, fun? Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm still out there. I'm still playing basketball. Um, I get like the the text now. It's like the forty and over league. You should come on tonight. I'm like, damn. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. But yeah, oh, shit. Man. That's that's <laughs> funny. That's cool though. That's I like I like how there's like still like community bonding with like. I mean, levels, most so. of the people I'm friends with in Seattle on the music front, we all play basketball together. Okay. Or I met them from that. You know. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you have a, you probably have like a super strong like support system here in Seattle and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've been here so long. I can, you know, I run into people I went to elementary school with. Mm-hmm. You know, like not all the time, but it happens. Yeah. Yeah. So spending time in uh, New York as like a Seattle guy, what mm-hmm. was that like? Was that like pretty inspiring? Like, did you have some like crazy stories? I mean, New or? York was always the mecca for us. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's where it all came from. Um, and I'd say when I first was getting my start, you know, in the the music business and just that's where all the labels were. That's where they were making all the records. So that was kind of always my goal is to get there. So like early on, uh, you know, kind of like the older generation of, of A&R guys that were also producers just took a liking to me, like mm-hmm. guys like Dante Ross and 
Riggs Morales and uh, Reef, Rob Tulo. Uh, so, you know, it was like a big deal for me to like go up to their office, you know, go up to G Unit with Shaw Money, who was my manager at the time, and like drop beats off. And I was like, oh, there's Lloyd Banks. Oh, there's, mm-hmm. you know, Buster Rhymes, you know, whoever it is. Yeah. Um, to see that in person was, it's just something doesn't happen here, right? And it's not like I was like, you got to listen to my beats. I was never going to do that. Right. That's not me. Um, but, it just, you know, just being in the mix. And then when I started getting the, the reaction from the people out there, I'm like, oh, I'm, I can compete with these guys. They're mm-hmm. not whooping my ass. You know, like sometimes you don't know if you're in a small city like Seattle, especially hip hop wise. I didn't really know besides me. Vitamin was the only other dude I was feel like I was chasing or competing with because right. and he was whooping my ass on the beats <laughs> for a long time. So, um, you know. I didn't know if I was just good for Seattle or good for the world, you know? So you, had to, you just had to, like, go out and, like, test it. Go out and test it. I mean, I went to, like, a uh, this music convention they used to throw called Gavin in um, San Francisco. This is probably 96. And it's still tapes, like mm-hmm. cassette tapes. This is before, you know, you could press your own CDs and stuff. And I probably bought, like, 20 B tapes. And I got, like, 10 callbacks from what I gave out. And yeah. that's how I got my first manager. Dang. High tech had called me from that. Uh, a bunch of different people, you know, and like, and then it just made me be like, Oh, maybe I got some shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not just good for Seattle. And when did you, when did you figure out this is like something you wanted to do as a career? Like by the time you're going to I don't think I events? believed in it until like mid two thousands, honestly. Wow. Cause there just, I didn't, there was no, I didn't have anybody to look at and like, Oh, this person got rich by making beats. Mm. Like, There's no way in my life I saw it do that, you know? So, it wasn't until I started getting on stuff that was like selling records. I'm like, oh shit, I can do this, you mm-hmm. know? Because at first the goal was just to make a song that would play on KCMU Rap Attack, you yeah. know? So like, or just to get your your song on a record. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once I feel like once 2003, I did the John Cena theme song. I did a song on G Unit's album, or maybe I was a year later, and then De La Soul Rock Cocaine Flow. Those were the ones where I was like, oh, I'm like. I could, I can compete, mm-hmm. you know, and there's money to be made doing this. So was there like ever like a mindset where was an actual leap of faith where you're like, fuck, I don't know if there is going to be another record super soon or were you It's like, always oh, like that. Got it. This is, this is the part of like being, you know, like I don't really have a crew. I'm not like yeah. tied to anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm close with certain people and certain artists, but like. They don't. They can make a record without me just as mm. much as they can make it with me. So like, I feel like I'm always having to compete with the world, and I got to be better than them. I Damn. can't just like I'm not in the studio, and they're not just using the beat because they like me. Whereas there, there's definitely people that have that yeah. thing going. So like I've heard you even talk about like obviously Metro is fucking dope, but like yeah, those type of guys were like I got it. Okay, like yeah, I mean Metro is he is him or Southside like Mm -hmm. you know I did a lot of stuff with Southside that was I feel like another career I had where I was like not doing the drums and I'm kind of just coming up with the music but it just it got me crazy commercial success right but I never met Future I wasn't in the studio with him but I probably got five songs on him you know my name's in the credits which is all that matters to me but um, Southside was the one in there with him Mm -hmm. and you know, it's it's just a different thing, you know, like I'm more like a higher gun, you know, like 
like tuxedo, yeah, it's my group. I make the decisions on that. But mm. everything else, I'm not really making the decisions. You know? Right. So with that, so you have like, you still do snare Jordan, right? Snare Jordans, like drum kits and stuff. Yeah. So, and you have like such so many amazing like uh, production credits. And yeah. Have you ever, has there ever been a time where you've been more um, specific on who you work for or work with? Or have you always been just kind of open-minded for that? Um. A lot of times it's just leaning into what's working. Hmm. Like um, a big crossroads was like 2015, 14. Kind of had like a certain kind of beat. I was getting off a lot at that point. Um, I'd done Drake for this thing and I think one on Cole's second album. And some other ones are in the same vein. And then the sound kind of shifted and they weren't really going for those like big snares no more. It just hmm. wasn't working. And I happened to be doing a session with uh, Tory Lanez at Interscope, and I ran into a friend of mine who's an A&R Dash, and he was, let's really imagine Southside, but they were close. Um, and he was like, man, give Southside some of your beats without drums on it. And I was like, at, at first I'm like, but why would I do that? Like, I do drums, you know what I mean? Just myself that's what i'm thinking like yeah. dj Premier to have a dude that did the drums he did the whole beat mm -hmm. you know anyways i happened to you know i had some stuff on me samples i had made with uh with my boy g coop big shout out to g coop um and two weeks later he's like yeah we got we got one on future and i was mm -hmm. like oh yeah i see people talking about him i don't think i had heard any of future's music like right. i just it just wasn't you know i'm i'm, I'm a hip-hop guy like that was a different thing I grew to really think he's dope, but I just yeah. didn't know, right? Did you ever hear Racks on Racks when it first came I out? I heard though? that, but it I just... I did not though, know that was Future, though, when it first right. came out. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I heard, like, those songs playing, right, yeah. just in the world, but I don't think I'd ever listened to one of his albums. Right. Um, so the first song we did with Southside was uh, Percocet and Strippers, mm. and that ended up being on a big-ass album. And, like, then I was like, oh, shit, maybe I need to do this more. Mm. And then, you know, I did... Uh, looking exotic for future. I did. Uh, there's another one I did on the mask off album. We did. I got the keys for Khaled and Jay Z and future. And it just was kind of off to the races doing that. Mm -hmm. And then at that point I'm like, well, I guess I'm not just doing like Jake one type hip hop beats no more. I'm doing something else. Right. And at the same time I was doing tuxedo as well. So like I kind of strayed all the way away from like what I was known for at that point. Mm -hmm. But it seems like you're, you're, whether you was purposeful or not, like you worked with people who were like in a trajectory to like be different and like stand out. Whether man, it's that shit, some of like, that shit was just luck, man. I'm not wild. even gonna lie. It just was luck or like, you know, uh, it's just, I think I was good at like picking dudes I thought were dope to work with. Like Mike and Keys mm -hmm. were uh, little homies that I knew before they were even working with Nip or any of that. And I just thought they were dope. You mm -hmm. know, like one of them was in Big Tune. I think Keys was in Big Tune. Um, and once I started making this stuff without drums where I'm playing more and having other guys playing, I was like, I'm just going to give this to everybody. Cause mm -hmm. it just increases my ability to get songs off. So I'm thinking like, Oh, Mike and keys, they, they work with a lot of people take all the samples, do what Damn. you do. And that's how we got, I mean, I don't even know how many Nipsey songs we did a lot. Mm -hmm. So you're never like. I see this early Kendrick, so I want to work with this guy. Man, like, I, re like, I, I, will, I will say with Kendrick, I really tried to get close to that. And it just, I just, that was part of me being in Seattle. I think mm -hmm. if I would have been around, it would have been a different story. 
um, Kendrick Schoolboy. I just thought they were dope. They were yeah. my favorite new rappers I had heard. And this is uh, probably, I, th- I think um, Q had the tape, uh, Fig Get the Money or something like that. I just thought that was really good. I'm like, yeah. this is a different version of, this is like some new hip hop shit, but it's young. It's not old and like overly cartoonish gangster. It was different. Yeah. And um, I met Kendrick around that time. Um, I met Q. Q was uh, Kendrick's hype man, actually, at that time. That's wild. Um, met Ali. And, yeah, I mean, I was sending him beats. And, like, even on the second album, um, To Pimp a Butterfly, like, um, Kendrick had reached out to me, recorded some stuff to beats I did. It just didn't make the album. Mm. Um, I even heard a couple of them. So, like, sometimes it just don't go your way. You know what I mean? Like, right. this is just... But I do think if I was in LA for that, because everybody else I was around are the guys that produce those albums. You yeah. know, Cardo, I'm pretty good friends with. Dahi, I'm really good friends with. THC, all those dudes are my homies. Hell yeah. And what I thought was dope about them is they had some of the same stuff that like me and DJ Khalil or Just Blazer, that era of guy was doing, but they just, it was a different bounce to it. You know, Mike and Keys is part of that too, where they just, they updated and made it a little new. Mm. Um and you know it was it was cool to see that, and then it, I just never would have thought it would have won on the level it did or become what it was, because there, I mean people don't really remember pre Kendrick, there was hella different rappers that were like this is the next guy from the West Coast, and none of that shit worked, mm-hmm. and I and I got roped into working in a bunch of that shit, and it didn't <laughs> go nowhere. So yeah. like it was still like a a a, a little guarded like, is this shit really gonna go? We were also in that weird time where. Um, st- before streaming, where people were just downloading everything, and it's like, yeah, just do this free beat for this dude, and they get all the money from everything that comes from it, and you just get your name on it. Yeah. And that just always seemed kind of weird. I mean, I did some of those, but like, it was kind of weird, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's hard to get that enthusiastic about that. Yeah. So, wait, how long has co-production been around there? Has that always been a thing? Man, I think there's been co-producers the whole time. They just dudes weren't getting their credit. This Damn. is another. I I hear old dudes that are my age and older complain a lot about why is there 15 dudes on the beat and blah blah blah. And and what really is the case? So if we go and listen to your song that you made in 1994, mm-hmm. and we credit all the dudes that wrote them samples, it's gonna be 15 fucking producers on the beat. Let's be real. So it's no different. Um. I think it's cool that more people are getting their name on the record. Shit, get get your name on there. You did something, you mm-hmm. know. There's also dudes that don't do anything and they get their name on records, and that's been going on forever You've got some too. Stories of that too. That's been going on <laughs> yeah. forever. So like, none of this shit is new. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, now you know guys are you know there's the the loop thing, which I do think I was I was one of the first to do that for sure. You know, giving people loops, and that's how I got a bunch of big songs, mm-hmm. but. It just, it, it lowered the barrier of like entry because there's a lot of guys that can't really play music, but they can program drums. Mm-hmm. And there's guys that can play music that can't program drums. Mm-hmm. So like we had this meshing of talent and it came with a new sound. Right. Is there, is it always like a, are you like a mega rock star if you can do all of them or is it still sometimes best to focus in on one thing? Man, I, I was kind of cool with just being the dude doing loops. And then after I, people started liking my beats again. And I was like, no, nah, I'm doing the beat again. Fuck this shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Or I'm, I might use somebody's loop and put my shit on it. So, like, yeah. I, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it. Sometimes I do want to just make the beat by myself, though. Mm-hmm. 
and you've never focused on like being like a rapper. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah. No, nah, I have, I have, uh, I never rapped on stage in front of nobody. Nobody's wow. going to find that footage. <laughs> I mean, I definitely rapped on songs with homies in, you know, early days, but not like, you know, this is like holding the mic, yeah. you know, live recording to a, a, a cassette player type shit, not like in a studio. Mm -hmm. So how does that, how, is it so, I've, I don't, do you know who Injury Reserve is by any chance? Mm -mm. They're like a sick, like. They're like a production. They were like a production group. One passed away, so it might be two people now or three still. I forget. Okay. But like some like one produces, one's like a rapper, right? But I think they switch off or something. Okay. But um, they were at Numos maybe like two years ago, and they had this crazy set where like the room was all black and they were behind this like see through like tarp. Damn. And like you just saw the guy pressing like a MIDI pad and like making mm -hmm. the beat. And then there's like smoke and stuff, and you just saw they were like silhouette. It was dope, but um, and it's because like they're a production duo, and it's not right, just right, right. So for when you're touring, what is that? Are you like, are you DJing? Are you making the like, Man, are you creating the beat on stage, or how does that work for you? I mean, I don't really like with the hip hop stuff. Like I, like I, for instance, I did this uh, this like this beat battle thing, which is really just I did it with Just Blaze because yeah. he asked me to do it, like. I didn't want to go against him. Like his discography is <laughs> not fair. Like yeah. we're, we're homies. Gene Brown is our homie. He's the record dealer. He's like our drug dealer basically. <laughs> so I just felt like honored that, that, that he brought me out for that. But it's essentially us just playing, you know, the classics we made and stuff like that. And people going crazy to it. I don't, I don't know. I'm not like the stuff I, the way I make beats, I can't just recreate it on the mm. spot. It's not really like that. Like what I'm doing um, it's just a little too complicated. I would need way too much to go on. I don't even think I'd be able to do it. I do think there's a lot of like, it's, it's some, it's some Millie Vanillian going on with some of these like live producer things where I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what you're actually really hitting that is playing live. Yeah. Like maybe you're hitting a snare and a kick. Maybe yeah. you're not doing all this shit at one time. You can't pro, you can't do the drum live and play the baseline live at the same time. Right. And chop the sample. You can't do it. Just <laughs> right. not enough hands. The octopus yeah. might be able to get that off. Right. Um, so it's it's I do think it's really cool that like producers have a bigger name now and they've branded themselves to become stars and they just get money to go up there and play their shit. Yeah. Because the rappers ain't doing nothing but playing their shit and jumping around <laughs> anyway. So why wouldn't the producer be able to do that? Yeah. Get your money. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, all, most of my touring is with tuxedo and I actually got to play keys live and shit, which is, oh, was okay. terrifying, but now I got it down. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't even DJing. I don't really like DJing that much. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of over it at this point. Dang. So, but you used to, did you used to DJ? Like how did I, you? I definitely DJ when I was younger and I still DJ on occasion, mm -hmm. but I never really been interested in playing what the average person wants to hear at, at right. whatever party. Like right. we'll do a tuxedo DJ set, but you're coming to hear what we want to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's already set that that's what we're doing. I'm not going to be your iPod up there. Like play bad bunny, whatever it is. Yeah. There's a million other people who could do that. You know, I was talking to a homie of mine. Um, and I'm not going to say what company, but there, you know, these DJ softwares and stuff like that. And it's like, man, there's 500,000 people DJing actively right now. Like go get one of them. You know what I yeah. mean? That's not what I'm doing. Yeah, fair enough. So how did how did Tuxedo and Jake One, like how did each of those names come to be? Man, Jake One came about because I did one of my first mixtapes in like, I don't know, 94 or something. I just, in, in my 
my I was gonna go with Young Deeb. I was like, nah, that's a little too like Intimate Records, Bay Area. And my music didn't really sound like that. So I just I don't know. I just was it gonna be Y U N G or No, 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 no. There, that was that wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> that definitely wasn't a thing back then. But um yeah, I don't know. I, I just there was KRS one, so I just did that. It was lazy. Okay. Um Tuxedo was all Mayor Hawthorne. That's that was his his doing. Cause I didn't really want to wear a tuxedo all the time. Mm-hmm. Every time we perform, I would not have signed up for that. I didn't even think we were gonna perform. So like right. It was smart though. He knows what he's doing. That's why he makes those decisions, and I don't. What do you think of suit and tie? Is that like your guys' like anthem? <laughs> uh, man, you know what's funny? Like, it's all right. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't love that song like that. But um, Timberlake's dope. Mm-hmm. Clearly dope. I mean, he's definitely like a blueprint of like you know a white dude doing funky music. That's like <laughs> doesn't True. seem like cringy. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, that's fair. He's, he's definitely one of the blueprints of that. So what is that like working with like, uh, someone who's in a whole different state? Is it hard to like connect or is it? Nah, what's dope is we met each other on some hip hop shit. So like he wasn't a, you know, Mare wasn't a singer when I met him. So mm-hmm. we still all have all the same references, you know what I mean? So that, that's kind of really what makes it work. And we kind of offset each other's strengths and weaknesses. Like, I can start a million things and not finish them. And he just loves finishing shit. So mm. it's kind of like, you know, he's got more of the musical theory. I'm just more productive than him on a, on a numbers basis. You know what I mean? I'm just going to make more shit. Mm. How um, many, how many songs do you think you make in like, let's say like a month? Like beats? Yeah. If I'm trying, I might make like 20 beats in a month, you wow. know, but out of those that are like special, I don't know. Like they, a lot of that's just like on the rapper to make it special, you know, like the song that's made around it. Mm-hmm. So I always wonder how artists like Lil Wayne, for example, mm-hmm. how he continues to make new music when like I feel like you've wrapped everything you can write. I do love Lil Wayne though. So no, no shade to Lil Wayne. But like for a producer, you're making more music and samples right. than an artist can say in their entire catalog. So how do you Man, keep it, that it, fresh? It is tricky at this point because I really have been making beats for like 30 years or some shit. So <laughs> yeah. I've been making beats a lot longer than I was alive before I was making beats. So um, it's weird, man. I mean, I, I take breaks from it. Like there's sometimes I won't turn on the equipment for weeks. So I'll just be like, I'm not doing that right now. Like yeah. I'll get to it. Um, it's just about finding some new technology angle sound one little thing technique that i'm doing that's slightly different that makes it interesting to me mm. at then but there are times i'm like damn man how many times i've made this fucking beat like yeah that's what they want you know and something and, and i'll have to do something within it to make it more interesting to myself so if people buy like your like your drum kits mm-hmm are some of those going to be similar to like other people who bought the same drum kits or is like you know what's crazy that- there's I thought, all right, so when I first did it, I thought like, oh, man, people are going to make beats that sound like me, but I don't ever hear anything that sounds like mm. something I would do. I hear people using my sounds, and they've been on some big big records, which is cool. Yeah. Um, But I, I just have my own sensibility with that stuff that I don't, you know, it's right and wrong. Like, it's mm. right for me, but it's not necessarily always going to be right for everybody else. And do you have, like... Every time you make a sample or something, is there like a memory attached? Or like, can you- No, I'm not wow. going to lie. There's certain songs that I, and even beats, I have no memory of making. Like sometimes <laughs> I'll go in 
and pull up beats I've made in 2015 just in my Pro Tools. And I'll be like, when the fuck did I ever start this? I don't remember this at all. Damn. I just don't bounce it down or finish it. Um, or even like some of my biggest songs, I don't really remember the act of making it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it just, it was made one day and then I I put it in my Dropbox and sent it out. You Fair know? enough. I do like that you do the YouTube channel though. Where yeah. you break down some, that's smart. And that was, you know, the YouTube channel was just purely a vehicle to sell Snare Jordan. And I didn't realize what I was doing was selling myself mm-hmm. at all. I had no idea. And when I meet the younger generations, like, oh man, I love your YouTube channel. And I'm like, damn, I yeah. forget that's what drives, you know, the world right now. It's not, because to me, I'm only caring about what somebody's discography is. Or did mm-hmm. they make songs that like, I'm like, fuck, I wish I'd have made that beat. That's what I judge like people for being dope on. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of different now. It's more like there's like a million dudes that will be on YouTube or IG and have it's like they only make beats in like 45 second clip of like you played the drums you played the bass you played a wind sweep you played a oboe you know just yeah. all these there's so many of them and i'm like it's pretty good yeah but at a certain point that shit don't even stand out so in the end it's still gonna go back to the songs you know like yeah that's a good point too that's kind of like so like i was telling you off camera like i work with a lot of comedians yeah <clears throat> and i guess social media has had its plus like pros and cons for right every art field because yeah there i guess there are like social media producers <laughs> at this point there are there's a lot of them and and, yeah. and I'm, i don't know if i'm i don't know if it offends me but it, it it bothers me that like people are selling how you should be doing something and they don't even have success yeah. and this is any field right yeah so like if a dude is on there trying to give me tips about how to make it in the music business i'm like but you ain't made it though yeah so how are you you know how are you trying to swindle all these kids into thinking what you're saying is right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're selling some bullshit on yeah. them. Like, you, if you if you had the key, you would be fucking doing it yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what's going on with like uh, Instagram comedians too. Like some like venues will see them and think they can like sell out. It's shows. A, it's a totally it's different a, thing. Like, I mean, there's guys that have like thirty million streams on a play on a song, mm-hmm. right? And that song is kind of driven by like fake playlists, not necessarily that they're fake, but they're autoplay type situation. It's yeah. not like a user generated, I'm selecting your song. So they don't, they don't really have a profile as an artist where there's yeah. artists that got like 2 million plays on a song. They're selling a thousand tickets in a city. Yeah. I, it's weird too. I feel like sometimes plays don't even matter because sometimes you could still be in rooms like like executives or other big artists or producers. At, at a certain like, point, you got to put up some sort of numbers. Though. For sure, it it can it it should it should all connect at some point. It doesn't always, you know. Um, but in the end, uh, this is what I do love about streaming is that the people are choosing the music. Like, yeah. and I feel like for my career, it's been a huge benefit because I was always the dude making like a song on the album that wasn't a single. People were like, oh, I like that one, but it wouldn't get services as a single or you couldn't really um, have an analytical way to look at it and see that shit's popular. Like I've had songs that weren't meant to be the single and mm-hmm. then it just blew up on streaming and they're like, Oh fuck, I guess we got to do a video <laughs> for this. Yeah. This wasn't what we thought. Yeah. And it's gone the other way too, where I have ones that's like, this is the single and then it flops mm. and then another song blows up. So is there like a average you would say that people should shoot for? before they approach maybe like a manager or a label or anything for like I, man i don't think whatever. there's any 
at this point, there is no rules to any of this shit. <laughs> it's yeah. really get in where you fit in, fire off your beats to as many people as you can, let whatever superstar producer take most of the credit and get his tag on it. If you got a piece of the song, that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Because people are going to look at the the record and be like, if I when I see a song and there's five producers and I don't know two of them, I'm assuming they did the beat. Just nah. that's just what I think, you know. Not always the yeah. case, but that's what I think, you know, cuz I'm yeah. like why the fuck would they be on it then if they didn't do the work? Yeah. So what's the difference between like production credits and like writing credits? If you look at like uh I forget who showed me. I think it was one of my family members. I think it was my stepdad actually. Mm-hmm. Um he was like, "Have you ever looked at Justin Bieber baby oh, the, <laughs> for the the credits for that?" And it's like 100 100 writers yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it's like crazy. Well, there's like songwriters, right? Especially mm. in the pop world, like it's really driven by songwriters because they somehow are good at making these things mm. that, that work, you know? Yeah. And they look at it on some real science shit. It's not like, it seems stupid, like, oh, this is such a basic song, but there's there's formulas that work. Mm. Um, so, you know, there could be a songwriter on it. There could be a dude that, that played the the initial chords on it and then a producer came in and produced around that um in the traditional sense of like you know quincy i I get this a lot when i hear people that don't make beats be like well i'm like quincy jones i'm like but you're not because quincy jones can play a trumpet and he can read a chart you can't do that you're a dude that picked a beat and got somebody on it right yeah that's cool too but you're not quincy jones let's be (laughs) real so you know, there's there's that kind of producer that that's bringing the whole song together, getting the artist to put the best performance forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, you know, the, the dudes that are making it happen are the ones making the music. It doesn't happen without the music. Yeah. So whoever made the original beat, you know, whoever played on, you know, if it's got a loop on it, then you're going to have more names on it. If it's one dude made it, then it's going to be less names. I mean... I love like, uh, you know, I have a homie, uh, Brian Morgan, who wrote and produced a bunch of the SWV songs oh, hell yeah. in the early 90s. And he's a trip because he's probably the only person I know that has a number one on the Hot 100. And you go to his house and you look and it says, Weak SWV, B Morgan, only name on that wow. bitch. Just doesn't happen that way very often. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, he He wrote, sang it, all of it. You know what I mean? produced it that's just not normally how it goes you know it can happen that way in rap because it's just a little more simple right Mm. so someone who's been in the industry for a while can you break down for up-and-coming artists like what points are points are what percentage of like the the net profits on a song you make or album or project so if uh i have two points that means i have two percent of the net receipts on this entity song album. So theoretically every six months, you know, Warner music group, whoever it is, is supposed to pay you that 2% of what it's made. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is, there's a lot of fuckery with accounting and you know, this is, it's music business, right? There's also like a part where if an artist spent too much money making the record, you could have a really successful song, but doesn't recoup because Mm -hmm. they spent, hundreds of thousands of million dollars, whatever the hell. And it doesn't get to the money making phase somehow on paper, even if it has made a shitload of money. Yeah. 
So points, you know, and, and this is the, the really cool thing we're at right now is that you can self-release your music. You get all the money that's being made from it. Yeah. If you can get that shit going, you get all the money. You know, I, I did uh, two songs, one each on the last uh, Brent Fias projects. Um, Wasteland, been, right? Wasteland, I did Rolling Stone on Fuck the World, I did Ben Away. And it opened my eyes to the whole game of owning part of the master and what kind of, how much money is generated from these things. I just had, really didn't have any idea. I'm still was more old school thinking like, let me get my fee, my publishing like that. Mm-hmm. And that's still great. Yeah. But when you see what the master's doing, you're like, fuck man, that's why the labels are so rich. Yeah. That's why they're ma- they're making all the money. Is he independent or something? Or? He is a thousand percent independent. Really? Yes. Holy shit. So what, what he did that's really like, he kind of ruined it for other artists I'm working with because I'm like, if I'm not getting what, <laughs> not getting part of the master, I'm not doing this no more. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, unless it's a big artist signed to a big label, I don't have a choice. But mm. independent artists, they gotta they gotta come off part of that master. Like, I I help create this. Mm-hmm. If you're not gonna pay me that outlandish fee, then I need to see it on the back end. So we're all successful. Mm-hmm. You know, we all share in the success of the song. So how many times? How often would you say is like? an up and coming producer, like an artist might just want to play them like a flat fee instead of giving them a point. Uh, I don't, you know, now I'm not really sure how it's working, but I mean, I think there was, I know for me, like I did, you know, like WWE was basically like, you either just take this money or you don't do John Cena's theme song. So like at that time I was making $12 an hour. So yeah, yeah I was going to take 30 grand cause yeah. wouldn't have got it. So we probably wouldn't have got the song if I don't take the money, mm-hmm. but they probably made like $5 million on that That's song. Wild. So like they won. Yeah. Um, has it, has John Cena ever wrote you a letter saying, I talked you. to John Cena multiple times back in the day. I haven't wow. talked to him in a long time. So yeah, I don't know. So how do you feel about being the re- like a reason why he was like a rapper? Like, are you, well, he look, was already you... rapping before me. So True. like, my manager at the time, Walt Licker met him at KMEL in the Bay. You encouraged it. I would say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did, I think I did six songs for him. I think only three came out, but um, maybe four. Um, I just remember when I heard the theme song, I was like, this shit ain't bad. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those expectations are really low. Yeah. You're like, this ain't, he's not supposed <laughs> to be good at rapping. Like, nah, you know, but like, this shit's kind of all right. Um, so, like, to see it live on this long is insane to me. I, you know, my that's the one my daughter is like always like showing me some meme. Like, she just thinks it's funny. That's funny. I'm like, that shit ain't funny because we're not making no money. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So, you have a whole family. That's, that's, odd. Yeah. how does that like, like t- being like full time producer and touring? Is it, is it hard to manage family it life? It was a or? lot harder when my daughter was young to go on tour and do stuff like that because, you know, I just, I'm the one that takes her to school. Mm-hmm picks her up she's she's older now she's in middle school so she can get on the school bus it is possible for her to do that at this advanced age she's at Mm -hmm. she don't really want to because she's spoiled but (laughs) um you know i can make it happen now yeah and does she like she realizes like what you do and like yeah she knows i'm not like the regular dad or whatever she don't really care though yeah (laughs) like it doesn't really you know I don't know. It's, I think all kids are kind of like, I was like that. Whatever my dad was into, I didn't like it either. Mm-hmm. So um, she thinks it's cool on some level. I'm sure that we don't, you know, we're not normal. You know, yeah. I have a lot of time that I can give her and be around her. Yeah. Know? Do you ever like, does she ever talk about like a favorite artist of hers? And like, you feel like she, likes, I should work she with that only person? likes 
anime music right now. So like <laughs> okay. she doesn't like any popular artists. Okay. Like so like it's crazy the other day there's this thing called Vocaloid. Do you know about that? Uh uh-uh. uh. Vocaloid's this like weird computer generated auto tune style of singing <laughs> okay. where you play the notes. Like my daughter's actually filthy at music. Like Damn. she can play viola and piano oh, yeah. pretty well already. Better than me. <laughs> she reminds me of this constantly. Um so these like J-pop songs and anime songs, what they do is they'll play a melody on a keyboard and then you choose a character and then you write the lyrics. <laughs> so I think we're going to try to make a song this summer. That's going to be our summer project. That's amazing. <laughs> um, we started already. It's it's pretty comedy. Dang. So yeah, I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and what is it like living in, in Seattle in a time where like when you were growing up, um, like Cap Hill and Seattle, yeah. that's where a lot of artists would be. And now everyone's kind of being pushed out of the city due to like. It's it's sad, man. I mean, most of my friends are just gone from mm. the area we all grew up in. Um, we just lost, we just lost one uh, last month. I'm not going to say who it is, but yeah, one of my good friends took off, headed south on me. So like. Damn. I I love just driving around and seeing the homie watering his lawn or something. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that makes me feel grounded. But I get it, man. It's expensive as fuck. You know, um, it's it's a trip, man. I don't know. I just never would have seen this. And and I think when you grow up here, you don't you kind of take the natural beauty for granted and stuff like that. As I get older, I appreciate that stuff more. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 so far gone at this point. I don't really know what can change. Yeah, you know? yeah. Do you um? Were you ever part of like the Seattle music scene? You would say like working with like Nacho Picasso or any of those. I, guys, man, I think or... I did a beat for anybody that came up mm-hmm. that made any kind of noise. Not every person that that rapped in Seattle. But if you made some noise, I probably gave one a beat to you for free. Mm-hmm. I did definitely did some songs for Nacho at one point. Um. It just it just never really made that kind of difference in my career. It was just yeah. something I just didn't want something to come out of here and be big and me not have nothing to do with it. You right. know, I just felt like that would have been weird. So yeah, I worked with Backlund more before he got popping. That's another one. Nobody ever saw that shit coming. Mm-hmm. He didn't see that shit coming, you know. You Grinch. I've had Grinch on the show. Yeah, Grinch is my boy. Okay. Like, you know, so yeah, I I did songs for a lot of people. I think at the the stage we're at now, like I mean, a 17-year-old rapper, man, that's, like, just a totally different thing for me at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm happy to see, like, some of the younger kids I know that are, you know, my friends' kids and stuff making beats now. So they'll be the ones that do that, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, you never felt like you had to, like, do, like, the Seattle circuit to, like, get popping? Like, you... Because I guess you were... Re- it didn't really exist really? when I was coming up. It was It was so underground at that point, like... By the time we had Blue Scholars and that stuff was making noise, I was already established. So, like, right. you know, those guys were coming to me for advice. So, oh, wow. That's cool. I mean, all, all of them have it this, you know, at some point, and, and, or a producer is like part of whatever. I've, I've seen it all. So, um, I just never planted my flag for any of it because I just, I'm just not really a fake kind of person to mm. just act like I'm riding with you if I'm not. You right. know what I mean? And, that's kind of why, you know, I'm I'm cool with putting a little effort into it, but I'm not, I, you have to think like in 
2005, I was 30 years old already. You mm. know what I mean? So like somebody at 17, I wasn't going to just drop everything I was doing <laughs> and just do that. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. and that's the same way to this day. You know mm. what I mean? And so how did the, like Travis Thompson. Man, Travis, Travis happened. I met Travis when he had, I want to say I saw his video for Horchata. Did he have a song called Horchata or something like that? Maybe. Early, early. And I just, I was just intrigued by him. I don't know. First of all, he was repping Ambom, which I just, coming coming from the CD, it was like, damn, somebody's repping Ambom? Like, we're in a different place now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was cool. Like, it had always kind of been limited to these certain areas. Mm-hmm. And that he was, like, prideful about that, I thought was cool. Um, so, anyways, he gets signed. I co-produced on, like, one of those albums. Maybe both of them. I don't remember. Um and uh, I was I was with my boy Wu Sang Wu Sang Management, and he was like one day he was like, "Man, would you do a tape for Travis?" I'm like, "Yeah, if I don't gotta go to the studio, if I could just give him the beats, sure." Mm-hmm. And that's really where it started. So then, just I just started sending him a bunch of beats, and he'd send me songs back, and I'd be like, "I like this one," you know, kind of just let him, because mm. you know he he's he's a self starter. He knows what he's doing. He's a professional. You know what I yeah. mean? Like. It was a trip. I saw him perform the other day and I hadn't seen him perform in a long time. And I'm like, oh, you're seasoned now. Like, you know what to do. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's on his shit, you know? So it was, it's just cool to do something with somebody from here, you know, and like, and get a, make a little noise with it. And, um, I'm probably going to do more, you know, like. And he's independent too, which is a cool thing to see. Right. And that was recently independent. And that, and that was part of, part of the reason why I did it too. Cause it's kind of like. I like the idea that we can do something and if it does blow up, we all, we all benefit equally. You yeah. know what I mean? Like as long as you don't got me out here working too hard. Cause I just, I don't got an Emmy at this point, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, some days I'm like, I'm about to retire. Like <laughs> I really feel that way. So, um, and some days I want to compete, yeah. you know what I mean? But as soon as it starts turning into a job, I don't want to do it, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's been cool to, you know, see the reaction from it. It's been really good. So, Hell yeah. yeah. And were you were you involved in like any of the features or how did those come to Um you? I got Worthy on the song for him. Did you have uh, a project with him? Me and Worthy have done some joints. Um Worthy's kind of northwest really. Like he's from Vancouver, so you Vancouver, know, Washington or Canada? Canada, Canada. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. No one represents Damn, yeah. Vancouver, Vancouver Washington. Washington. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He would just be from Portland, I yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> South Portland. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, he uh he got on that for me, and uh, Eric was uh, definitely Travis's boy, and Travis got Logic on the other joint. So that's so cool. Yeah, and have you have you worked with Logic before that at all? Or? You know, really oddly, on Logic's first album, they sampled um, part of a beat I did for the Physics. Oh wow! And that was the first time that it happened to me in that way. So yeah. I, I, don't, I guess that's that's one where I'm a writer on a song, but I wasn't a producer. Damn, that's funny. Yeah. And you're current. You're are you still signed to Rhyme Sayers or? Um, I mean, I I still do stuff with them, but I'm 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 really like not signed to anybody. I don't have a manager. Mm-hmm. Like I make all the all the plays for me. Yeah. Like I'm I'm a grown adult. Like I've been doing this long enough. Like I don't need somebody else to make yeah calls for me. Um, Rhyme Sayers is great though. I mean, Rhyme Sayers is how I had the connection with MF Doom. Um. And a bunch of different things. That's wild. Have you have you worked with Sorak at all? I've had her on the show, and I know she's signed to Sorak. Nah, I haven't. She came along a little after I was doing a lot of stuff over there. Mm-hmm. 
I know Ali has told me about her for sure. Though I checked. Damn, it out. yeah, I want to have because he has his own podcast. Have you been on Brother his show? I, nah, I haven't, man. What? I don't know why he hasn't brought me on his what? show, man. He, he knows I'm gonna talk too much shit to him. <laughs> like we have that kind of relationship. So. Yeah. Um, but that's my boy. Like that. And there's some people like it's funny. Somebody there was a there was a video of a dude that went viral that was like outside the studio holding the sign like Gunna, I produced your song, <laughs> something like that, right? Which. I related to that, but I would never do that shit, yeah. right? Me, I'm just like, hell no. Like, you don't need to know me. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Is my name on the record? Am I getting paid? That's what Damn. I'm about, right? Yeah. I'm more. That's more important to me than being like somebody's friend. So, like, there are certain dudes that I don't even make that much music with, but we're just close. Like, yeah. Ali's a dude I'm always going to, like, be close to. Freeway, all, me and Freeway are always going to be close. Fuck yeah. Me and Freeway are uh, finishing Stimulus Package 2 right now. Hell so, like, yeah. It's only been 13 years, but <laughs> we're going to give you the part two finally. That's awesome. That's super yeah. exciting. Yeah. Dang. What? And are you working on anything with Tuxedo at all? Or how? Tuxedo's new album is being worked on right now. Wow. So you just um, stay working. I mean, it's weird because there are days I'm like, I just, I don't fuck with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then some days I buckle down and work. So it's just kind of, as I feel it, that's where I'm at at this point. Mm-hmm. Um and luckily, I've made so many songs that I don't I don't have to get one right. to survive, right? I don't, I don't have to sell a beat to do this That's much. That's a blessing. It is, you know. But, I mean, I, I've been doing this for a long time. I had a lot of success. So, it it's just kind of like it's it's the luxury that I built for myself with mm. this. Um, but sometimes I probably do need to be a little more hungry. I don't know. It's, I, I go back it's and forth, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some days I'm like man, I'm not getting, I'm not doing what I should be doing. And then some days I'm like, man, fuck this shit. I don't even care. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a weird, I I have a weird inner battle going on within myself with that. You know, I like what you said earlier though, like that it's important to have fun though. So as soon as I have to turn all of this into fun, like, cause if it's not, I'm not doing it, you know, like Mm -hmm. it just, it just ruins it for me. And do you have any cool like MF doom stories or Mac Miller stories even? Um, Mac Miller was at the studio in OK Hotel and we worked on Tuxedo One. Wow. Which was very, he just happened to be, I think he did a show at Vera Project or something. Wow. He DM'd me and he came through. And you know, it's funny, like, we were working on our shit. You know, he didn't play no music or nothing. Like, (laughs) last time I saw him um, was in LA at Alchemist's studio and he was working on the song with the Migos. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I got to stay for this. this. Is weird that the Migos got a song with Al. This is. I remember them being like, he don't even have auto tune on your, his computer. <laughs> so they had to hook up like another computer. Um, and uh, Mac was like, man, you know it's fucked up. I, I I never told you this, but like that time I came to the studio in Seattle, you guys didn't ask me to play my music. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I didn't give a fuck about your music. I was like, I was like, I didn't even know who you were. Like, how was I supposed to know? <laughs> That's amazing. Have you ever? Uh, what is his? What was his alter ego? His it was like Larry. Fisher. Oh, Larry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you ever get? He Larry? was ahead though. I, I think like that's a dude that showed like he probably early on wasn't really making shit that I thought was that good, but he got way better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he was dedicated to the craft. And I think he felt guilty for the success he was having, so he was putting on people he thought was dope. Mm. Like, he used this platform to give other people a look, and that's what you're supposed to do. And did you ever work on, like, production with him, like, co-producing nah, him? Wow. Nah, he, Even, I don't know, man, like, even, one, I don't know, I don't remember what year this was, maybe 
couple of years before he passed, he was in town and he had wanted to come through. And I just, I didn't feel like making music that day. So I was like, nah, I don't feel like doing it today. Mm-hmm. You know, I should have, but like, they just, I just wasn't on it that day. I had something else going on. Yeah. Um, so it's just sad he's not here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just always looked at him as a little homie. I mean, another thing we did that annoyed the shit out of him, because that's just, you know, we're older. You know what I mean? It was like, it's like a hazing process. It's, yes. Um, a homie of mine came to the studio that same day and, you know, introduced himself to everybody in there. And he was like, he's like, what's your name? He was like, Mac Miller. And my boy thought he said Max Miller. So I, I called him Max Miller forever after that. <laughs> and I could tell he was like, man, I'm, I'm like popping. Like, why are you talking shit to me? <laughs> like it flips up at a certain point. He was big homie. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's it's kind of ill to see that happen. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I've seen that with multiple people. I'm like, damn, you're kind of the dude now. This is crazy. I can't really talk shit to you in the same way. Yeah, that's so cool that you're like in control of like your, your kind of like your music destiny and your life though. That's I mean, I I think I had to just become comfortable and just being me. Like I anybody that's around me would tell you I'm the same way around anybody. This is mm-hmm. like superstar, somebody I don't know. I'm not yeah. really going to. I'm not going to be a different person for anybody. And when was the switch where like you decided like you maybe not have needed like a manager or be signed to like a, a label? Cause when um, you're starting, you know, it's kind yeah. of like, that wonder- was, it was everything at yeah. one point. Yeah. Well, once all the artists were coming to me, mm. um, it just, I mean, once, once we got Twitter, man, honestly, Drake <laughs> DM me, all these people, that's how I met them. So like yeah. I made songs that they liked. they were like, yo, send me something. And it, and, it kind of eliminated the, eliminated the need for the manager. It wasn't that barrier of entry that there used to be. Um, and then, like, I just don't like people telling me what to do about my music. Just just me personally, especially yeah. if it's not somebody I think is better than me. Yeah. I'll, I'll live a vitamin being like, nah, that ain't it. Because I, I just look at him like that. Like, I respect his ear. Um, but, like, a manager that because most managers tried to make beats and they weren't even good at making beats. So mm-hmm. they became managers, you know what I mean? Or they were rappers or whatever it is. Yeah. And our people, it's all the same. Right. So I don't, I don't really want to hear that from them. I mean, there are days I'll be like, fine, I'll just be a worker today. Like, I don't, this is not about my ego, mm-hmm. but like when it's about me making music that I care about, I'm not, I'm not listening to nobody about that. Yeah, for sure. That's fucking awesome. I feel like you're a definitely an inspiration in Seattle and just like the music, the music community as a whole in the in the world, you know? And so it's been, it's been I, fucking awesome. I do think, on, like, you know? I've had a, a pretty unique career. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, just the the different phases and all that. Like, I would have never seen none of this coming, so. Yeah. You, you would have made Tupac proud. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is sick, though. I'm, like, seriously, like, checking out your interviews and you, like, being open about, like, making how you make beats online yeah, and yeah. all that. It's cool to see, like, your journey and uh, see how, like, you've stayed connected with so many people. To hear that you're still kind of freeway and having a project coming out and seeing that's Yeah, that's hell yeah. Awesome. I mean, that means more to me than anything yeah. because he took a chance on me when I wasn't anybody. So, you know, that's that's what you're supposed to do. Hell yeah. You know? With that, is there a – what is some final advice they would give to up-and-coming producers, artists, creators? Um. I mean, I just think like, I know it sounds generic, but you just got to do what's in your heart. Like, that's the only thing that's truly going to work. Like, you can only fake the system for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, I mean, and this especially being from somebody from Seattle, 
if you're doing the same thing they're doing other places, you're probably not really going to get any traction. You just got to stand out. Like I always tell people, <laughs> you got to be really bad or really good. It's just like either way. Blue face, I mean? baby. <laughs> Blue face was so bad. That shit made an impact, right? Like, I mean, I, w- I was in a studio. I worked on Playboy Cardi's first album. I um, co-produced a song called Kelly K with Southside. Mm. And I happened to go to one of the sessions because Southside, I just wanted to see him. It was in L.A. And he was in there freestyling for 45 minutes. And I didn't know if that was the worst shit I heard or the best <laughs> shit. I was lost. Like, oh, that, that was fully like, I mean, this is what, 2017, something like yeah. that? And I just like, yeah, this is just over my head. And he came out the booth and he told me and the A&R that we're old. I didn't say nothing to him. I wasn't clowning his music or nothing. I, he was just like, you guys don't know. This is that young shit. You guys are old. You don't get it. He was fucking right. Yeah. He was fucking right. That summer, we went on tour for Tuxedo. Everywhere I was going, they were playing and shit. Damn. And just the unbridled joy the little kids had off of that shit. It, I love seeing that. Even yeah. if it's not music I like. Yeah. Like, that's always, to me, that's hip hop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Damn, that's so wild. Fuck, man. This, you've been a great guest. I, I really I really appreciate you coming on. Thank so you. last second, too. Yeah, thanks. You know, um, with that, what, what is the easiest way for people to find you? Um, I'm Jake Uno on Twitter and Instagram. I, this threads, I probably won't get on there. I, I'm, <laughs> only so much I got for all this. Yeah, you're, you're solidified. You don't need to get on threads. <laughs> I, I'm on threads to hopefully go viral or some shit, you know? So you you do you, man. You're, you're, you're killing it. So <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank Fuck you. yeah. This has been the NAS Podcast with Jake Uno. And we did it.